Tonight is a ministry-focused night for us. Um, We do these, I try to do these once a month when I can. Don't always have an opportunity to, depending on what's going on here. But what we do on these nights is take an aspect of ministry and um, examine that together and talk through that. And then we set aside some time to devote to praying specifically uh, for the ministries that we have going on here. Usually um, what takes up a bulk of that, of course, is our WANA and our youth programs, and then some other things that kind of branch out from that. We'll talk about that when we get to the, um, <clears throat> the prayer time tonight. So tonight, as we get look at this idea of, of what should we be focusing on as a church, what is something that's important and vital to the life of a church, I want to take some time tonight and discuss an idea we, we bring up often, um, I mentioned it, Quite a bit um, in our parenting series or in the last few weeks as we looked at those, um, how do we parent our children, and this is word that we throw around a lot, and that's the word discipleship. How many of you are familiar with the word discipleship? You've, how many of you have heard that mentioned from the pulpit and the platform here a lot, right? Now, I won't ask, but how many of you know that, what that means, okay? Because maybe we, we sometimes we struggle with, what does that, that mean? I mean, if you were to open the church constitution, I did this this week and looked through um, you would find the word discipleship mentioned one time in the entire church constitution. It's at the very end. Um, so it's not something that's mentioned quite often. You know, we talk about baptism, we talk about Lord's Supper, and those things get mentioned more um, within the documents of a church. But I would argue that, that if you do not have discipleship, you don't have a church. This is vital to the life uh, and ministry of a church. Um, if you walk in and, see, and find a church that is dying or a church that is struggling, what you're probably not going to find is you're not going to find a strong discipleship mentality. And it's not just something that we talk about, but it's something that has to become the lifeblood and the heartbeat of a vibrant church. If you want to see God use you in the ministry of Beaverton Baptist Church, then you need to take ownership and part in um, discipleship-type ministries. Uh, and make that a personal goal of your life and a personal drive that, that you're going to be a part of. And that, that, that includes kids all the way up to adults. We're part of these discipling ministries. And so I want to take tonight and maybe another week, we'll see um, how, how fast we go tonight, and talk about what is discipleship, what, is, what discipleship is not, and how do we get involved in these, these types of things. Um, now, one of the one of the greatest joys of being a parent is watching our kids grow and change. Uh, children come into this world completely helpless, right? There's nothing they can do for themselves. But little by little, they begin to grow and they begin to mature, learning the skills that they need to survive and thrive in life. And one of the greater joys and greater responsibilities of a parent is teaching our children some of these things. Those of you in this room who've had the opportunity to raise kids or be involved in, in the lives of little kids, you have had the opportunity, hopefully, to teach them some things along the way and help them understand these things in life. Really succeeding at many things in life, many skills in life, if we're going to succeed or we're going to have um, growth, we need someone to help teach us and train us those things. I mean, you think about some of the things you do on a regular basis whether it's just a basic life thing, you know, like 
eating, okay? Or uh, maybe it's something at your work that's very complex or very um, specific to what you do. You could probably look back in your life and say, well, there was someone who taught me how to do that. There was someone who, who along the way sat down and worked. And it may be something you have done for years. You have done it, and, and you, you don't even give it a second thought when you do it. Even something complex at, in, a, in a job or around your home or whatever. But you really sat down and thought about it. Well, somebody had to sit down and teach me how to do that. I mean, that's, that's, that's important to us. Within the church, it's the same way. God has set forth an expectation for his body, a way in which lives are to be touched individually, reached for the gospel, and helped along in their personal spiritual walk. This is, this is what discipleship is that, that's so crucial for the life of a church. Without discipleship, without intentional investment in the lives of others, the body of Christ falters. Um, and so what we'll see is discipleship is essential to the body of Christ and expected in the lives of believers. It's not just, well, this is what some Christians should do. This is what all Christians should do. All Christians should be engaged in discipleship-type relationships. And that's exactly um, how the body functions. That's how we, we as one another minister to one another. And that's how we reach the community in which we live. Do we look around our church and see opportunities for discipleship? Do we look around in our community and have opportunities for that? And sadly, we don't always have that mentality. Um, Just today, um, Caleb and I were out this afternoon um, at a baseball thing here in town, and I met another dad, and we we were talking, and, and, you know, even in those situations, do we have the mentality of, well, this could be someone that God wants me to reach for the gospel, even in just in the, the 10, 15, 30 minutes that we're here, how do we, we have to begin to think, how do we set up this relationship? How do we begin to form this relationship with someone I may see over and over again to reach them for the gospel? And I, I'm just here to say that, that I always think that way when I should, right? We should think that way. And, and see these opportunities God has put in front of us. So let's begin by looking where we should always start, and that's where? God's Word, okay? We're going to set this whole thing up with three main points from the Scriptures about discipleship, and then I'm going to spend two other points with some practical application for our lives, okay? Number one is we're going to look at the biblical definition of discipleship. And the first thing, okay, the first section of this is that it is to us a commanded mission. Discipleship is a commanded mission from Jesus to his followers, to those who trust in him. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he had a lot of followers. We learned that this morning in John chapter 6, right? There were a lot of people who proclaimed to follow Jesus. Some of them were curious onlookers. Some were critics. Some were false disciples, others were true disciples. And you know, and we have some kids in here, and we did a study a couple summers ago on disciples, on the disciples of Jesus. A disciple, how many of you kids remember? A disciple is a what? Not a teacher, a follower, right? There was another word I gave you. So anybody else remember? Just shout it out if you remember. A disciple is a a learner. 
disciple is a learner, is a student, is someone who learns from another person. Now, in the passage I'm going to show you here in Matthew, here Jesus uses it to communicate also one who believes in Jesus. That was not the case, remember we talked about this morning, there were some who were disciples but they really believe in Jesus. What Jesus is going to tell his disciples and us is that there is, that the goal is to make disciples those who believe in Jesus and follow him. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the scriptures, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples, there's that word, okay? And again, here, the assumption is people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus chose 12 men to be his closest followers, and 11 of them expressed true, genuine faith in him, learning from Jesus. And after his resurrection and before his ascension into heaven, Jesus gave this commission that we read in these verses to his disciples there. And, in, and so what he says is that in light of my authority, if you back up a few verses, Jesus is talking about how all authority has been given to him. And so then you get to verse 19 and you have the very first word is, therefore. When you see a therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for, Right? In light of that authority, because I have all authority, because I, am, I, 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 I have authority over all things, you are to go out and make disciples of all the nations. Remember, Jesus was talking to a group of men who were Jewish in their background. And the nation of Israel was called to be a light to the Gentiles. All throughout the Old Testament, even the glory of God was to be put on magnanimous display through Israel's relationship with God. Now, Israel did not always do a good job at that. If you read the Old Testament, you would agree with that statement. But that does not deter God's purposes or his plan. Jesus came to save all who came to him, regardless of of racial background. That's why Jesus says to go and make all disciples of all the nations. He's telling his, his, his followers or his disciples there to go out and reach the world. And now Jesus sends his disciples out to proclaim the message of salvation and to disciple those who believe in him. So in this commanded mission, Jesus sent his disciples out with a much greater mission than this. He did not say, I want you to go out and get converts and decisions. That is not what Jesus said, right? And if we're honest, over the years, um, Christianity, the church in general, has sometimes fallen into that trap. If we just get people to make a decision about God, then they'll be good, and they can go on with their lives. But that is not what Jesus said. Jesus did not say to go out and get people to make a decision and then tell them they're good the rest of their life. He said, go out and make disciples, make students, make learners, make people who devote their lives to following me. They were to enlist others to be believers in and learners of Jesus. And so this begins by reaching out. So the very, one of the very first things you're going to notice if we're going to make disciples is we have to understand we cannot 
idly sit by in life and just hope that people are going to run across our path and that, well, if they're just around me long enough, then they'll come to Christ. No, there is a, there is a, 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 a um, implied evangelization that's going along with this verse. We have to go out. Actually, what's presented here in the verse where he says, go, therefore, it's actually in the past tense, having gone, therefore having gone out. It's an assumption that there is an assumption here by Jesus that you went out and you reached people with the gospel. Now you need to disciple them. And this, what Jesus is giving to his disciples here, is an individual responsibility. You realize that it is not the pastor's job to go out you know, pastor, you need to go out and find lost souls. That's not just on the pastor of a church, you know. It's not on, hey, you know, pastor, I was talking to my neighbor, and he's the Lord. I wrote his name down here. I want you to go visit him this week. If you do that, you know what I'm going to say? Well, what did he say when you reached? Well, I didn't do that. Well, I'll be happy to go with you, and I'll back you up, right? Because if you, if you, if you are a disciple, you're called to reach other people. And let's just think about that very practically. You are there, you know, let's take that situation that people say, that happens sometimes, right? So how do you think it's going to go when, hey, knock on the door, hey, neighbor so-and-so told me I should come, right? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to have more tact than that if I was going to do that, okay? But, but you have a personal connection to their life. That's the person God has put in your life to reach with the gospel. And Making disciples isn't for the spiritually elite. Um, and I, I chuckle at that, that idea of the spiritually elite, because that's a construct of our own minds, that there is some kind of class of, um, of Christians, that some Christians are greater than other Christians, and they're the ones who, um, who, who should go out and reach people, and disciple people, and then there's other people that get to just kind of do whatever it is they want to do. It's the responsibility of every disciple to witness for Christ. So having done this, having gone out and reached people with the gospel, Jesus presents the next step. Go therefore and make disciples. What does he say in the verse? Verse 19 baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not a means of grace. It is not a method of spiritual cleansing, and it is not a requirement for true salvation, but it is a step of obedience in which one declares, I have decided to follow Jesus to other people. So we have to understand it is impossible to be a disciple if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But... I would argue, you look at the scriptures and argue, it is impossible to grow as an obedient disciple if you will not follow the Lord in believer's baptism. That's the very first step of obedience that that God lays out. It's a little wonder that there are people in churches who claim to be followers of Christ, live a very disobedient life to God in, in areas of their lives and have areas of life where they not submit to God because they have not submitted to God in one of the most basic and fundamental ways that is in the area of something like baptism. So then third, thank you, Jesus says that, 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 that um, 
as they, they go out and they, they disciple and they baptize, he commands that disciples are then to teach others the things of God, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Disciples, the mark of a life of a disciple is one who obeys the things of God in the power of God. Obedience is the mark of the life of a disciple. So we need to help others learn the ways of God to know him and to obey him. The word of God transforms us. Therefore, we need to give others the life-changing power of the gospel and teach them the life-altering ways of the scripture. So discipleship is vital to the local church, first and foremost, because it is a divine command from God. It is defined most basically as God's commanded mission. Secondly, the biblical definition of discipleship is not only as a commanded mission, but secondly, it is godly imitation. Just a second, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. If you want to turn there, you can. But Paul, in writing a letter to the church at Corinth, is dealing with various problems that they have going on there in the church. And he's reminded them all throughout chapter 10 to live to the glory of God. And as he addressed specifically the area of Christian liberty and how to minister to people, he then closes with his admonitions with a call to life examination and imitation. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now, Lest you read that and think, wow, Paul is really full of himself, and he's setting himself up as some spiritual guru that we should follow. Um, He is not. But at the same time, what is he doing? He is reinforcing the biblical pattern of discipleship that God had set up. Paul administered among the Corinthians for 18 months when he was there. They knew him. They knew the pattern of his life. Therefore, he called for them to follow his example, but not just, well, follow me and do what I do. But what did he say? Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You know, in in some way, he is saying, follow me in the ways I follow God. Leave out all the other stuff, right, that that may be wrong and sinful, but follow me as I follow God. Jesus Christ. Let me be an example to you in, the, in those ways. Discipleship involves imitation. It involves learning from others the things of the Lord. It involves us patterning for others the things of the Lord. And it means we point others to the things of God. And in our lives, we could probably point to various people who have taught us so many wonderful things about the Word of God and about serving God because they have just taken the time to sit down and talk through those things and, and, and pattern them. Um, one of the greatest ways we learn to do the things of the Christian life is by working alongside other people and learning those things from them. I often think of that so practically in, in prayer. You know, um, One of the, the greatest ways we learn to pray is by spending time with other Christians praying, especially those who who are, I hate to say it this way, but they're better at it than we are, if that makes sense, right? They, maybe they've walked with God longer, or they've, 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 you, you've observed a pattern of someone who trusts the Lord. I mean, I love 
that when we come here on Wednesday nights and we spend time praying together, um, or when we have our ministry-focused nights here, like we are tonight, and in a little bit we break up for prayer and we get, try to get some of our younger kids with our, with our adults here, because that's what discipleship looks like. It's that cross-generational investment in the lives of others. Now, here's one of the things we need to be careful of, is again what Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because we are prone to teaching others what we think they should know or what we may want them to know. Well, this is how I do it, so this is how you should do it, right? When that may not be biblical, right? It may be, it may be something that's personal. It may be something you have in your life, but, but we need to make sure we check those things against the Scripture. It may be what makes our lives easier, what makes them look like me, or what we may, what we may feel is that person's biggest struggle. But God tells us to imitate Christ and to help others then to do the same. And we have to understand that when we are in a relationship with someone, we're in a, a discipling relationship, we're trying to help them grow in Christ, we need to let the Word of God do the, God's work in the life of the person that we're working with. Um, sometimes you're going to get into a relationship, a discipleship relationship, if you do this for any length of time. And the person you're discipling, you can, you know, as you begin to look at their life, sometimes there's, there's low-hanging fruit, so to speak, that you look at in their life and go, man, they're really struggling. I can see this sin issue they have. I can see this bad habit that they're taking or sinful habit. I can see this vice that they give themselves to. I can see this practice. And they're going to need to give that up if they're going to serve God. And you know what? There may come a time and place as you develop a relationship with someone, you need to have a very serious conversation about those things. But I think you would be surprised that more often than not, the more you just expose someone to the Word of God and show them who God is, the more God is going to convict them of things that are going on in their life and say, wow, that's, I, I, don't, I shouldn't be doing that. Well, why? Who told you not to? Well, well, God's word says this. And again, that's not to say that we don't address sin in people's lives and we don't help people specifically help to see some things going on in their lives. But we also, I think, sometimes are very quick to, well, you said you're a Christian, so X, Y, Z is what Christians look like. You've got to fall in the little Check the little box and fill in the little blanks, and you'll be a good little Christian. You can be part of the frozen chosen here at Beaverton Baptist Church. That's because we're in Michigan. We get to be frozen, okay? Um, whereas if we're imitating Christ and pointing them back to the gospel, and we show them, well, this is what God says, and they, oh, well, that's what that means for my life then. We teach people then to listen to what the scriptures say and what the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts of in light of the, of, of the scriptures. Discipleship is imitation, but it's not. And so, and so, if we're going to be disciple makers, there is great onus put on us to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ so that we can show him to others. If others are looking to us, we need to be looking to God. Lastly, in the biblical definition of discipleship, not only is it a command of mission and a godly imitation, but it is expected replication. I would invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and look at verse 2 in just a second. In the book of Timothy, the Second Timothy, we have Paul, who is writing to Timothy, who is his protege, his son in the faith. And in Paul's waning hours, 2 Timothy is the last thing that Paul ever wrote. Uh, some believe he died not very long after he wrote these words in Second Timothy. 
He writes here, instructing him on how to carry out his duties as a pastor who is entrusted with the work of the gospel. And what Paul says here is vital for church leadership, but the principle extends to all believers when in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who who will be able to teach others also. So Timothy was to take the things that he had learned from Paul, his discipler, and entrust those, that, those things, those things of the Lord, to other faithful men of God, and in turn, they were to pass it on to others. And, and though it ends with four generations, Paul, Timothy, the people Timothy was to invest in, and the people that they were to invest in, the idea is that this is an ongoing process, that there's a continued um, work of replication that is going on as, as they, these people that they were taught teach others, and they teach others, and they teach others, and so on down the line. This is exactly what discipleship is. It is helping others become more like Christ. It is this idea that we are replicating Christ followers. And this is done in salvation and sanctification. It is done in going, as Jesus said, go into all the world, right, and make disciples. It is seen in going and discipling. This is the goal of all discipleship, that disciples would make more disciples. The goal of discipleship is not that they would look like me, that they would be my best friend, that they would this, that they would that. The goal of discipleship is that they would be able to go and make other disciples, And you are not saved to sit around picking and choosing what parts of the church, whether they be programs, events of a church, whatever, the mission of the church best fit your life and what does not. Unfortunately, in our Western first world mindset, we have a very consumerist mindset when it comes to church a lot of times, or a lot of things in our lives. Well, I don't really like that about the church, so I'm just not going to do that. I don't like this. I don't like that. That whole discipleship I thing, that's not really my thing. That reaching out to the people, it's not really my thing. That is not the idea of the church. The church is, being a disciple is, you're in. You're part of the program, so to speak. You're part of God's body. And discipleship is part of that. And while there are things in churches that you may not be in your sphere of ministry. We, we as a church have so many branches of what ministry looks like. Tonight we're going to be praying, uh, focusing on things like our wanan, our youth, and, and other outreaches of our church. And you say, well, that may not be the specific part that God has called me to. Okay, discipleship isn't one of those things. Because discipleship is expected of all disciples. And we are saved from our sin to grow... And in growing, we are to reach others, discipling them. Discipleship is a necessary practice for a church. You find a church that does not disciple, does not reach out and evangelize and disciple other people, guess what you will find after a while? You will find no church. So, discipleship is a commanded mission from God to us as followers of Christ. It is godly imitation that we imitate Christ and we look to to pattern that and show people that as we help them to grow. 
And then it's the expected thing is that there'll be replication of that. But not everything that's branded as discipleship, believe it or not, is discipleship. And so I want to take just a few minutes, and I'm just going to look at a couple of these, and then I think we're going to stop here, and we'll pick up another time and, and look at the rest of it. But there are some misconceptions about discipleship. Because again, this is kind of a hot-button word. This is kind of a word that a lot of churches use, because obviously it's in the Bible, you know, talking about making disciples. Um, but what is discipleship not? Number one, discipleship Sometimes the misconception is, well, discipleship is church attendance. I go to church, so I'm a disciple. Discipleship is vital to a Christian's walk and growth in the Lord, but I'm here to tell you there are a lot of people who go through their lives professing to be Christians, but they've never been discipled. They don't really know what it means to walk with God and to, that that's, that's who they are or supposed to be in Christ. I have sadly met many a Christian who has spent a majority of his life in church, but seems to be lacking in the basic, fundamental areas of the faith. And I believe that this is due to the confusion that church attendance is discipleship. Well, I went to church, and because I went to church all those years, then I taught Sunday school, then I did this, and I did that. But then you, you have a, a basic conversation. Well, God's word says this about something that's going on in your life. And say, well, I mean, I don't really get that. I don't really agree with that. Because there's no discipleship. There's no, this is what God says. Because there's, no been, there's been no personalization of the truth of God's word. Here's what happened. They grew up in a home where the family loaded up the car on Sundays, and they rode to church, and they went to church. But as far as biblical instruction went, that was it. They went to church, they went home from church, they went back to their lives. There was no living that faith throughout the week. There was no reinforcement of biblical truths of God's word. The word of God was taken in from the pastor each week, and then that person just continued on his merry way with his life. Now, perhaps there was some personal interaction with the pastor here and there, but not much else changed. And don't get me wrong, the preaching and teaching of God's word in the church is vital for the spiritual growth of every believer. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 says, And he, that is God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. We need the regular preaching and teaching ministry of the local church in our lives. But that is not the end of our spiritual time with God, of our, our time with God each week. If that is our only spiritual instruction, then we will become anemic Christians indeed. I probably have gotten more mileage out of this illustration than it is due, but I, I always go back to it. It's like going to the buffet once a week. And loading up and saying, hey, all right, hope you had a great lunch. We're not going to eat the rest of the week. Now, you, those of you in here with teenagers, tell me how that's going to go in your life, okay? It's not going to go over real well. But it's what we do spiritually. Hey, that was a really great sermon, Pastor. I really enjoyed it. I'll see you next week. Take, go home, set that Bible down on the counter. So I know where it is next week when I go back to church. 
That is not what being a disciple is. You need personal time with God. You need personal connection with other believers. You need accountability and edification. As Christians, we need one another. Showing up at church, the amount of times per week that you feel will assuage your soul or not cramp your schedule is not discipleship. You know what that is, folks? That's duty. Well, in order to be a good Christian, I'm going to be there, and that's it. I would say, if that's your mindset, you should listen again to the things we talked about this morning from John chapter 6, about what a disciple is. So a common misconception is discipleship is church attendance. Number two, discipleship is coaching. Now, this is an interesting one to me because coaching has something that has grown in popularity in recent days. I, I actually have a couple friends who in their lives have become what they, what they call Christian life coaches. And, and I don't want to be confused here because these people I know aren't, aren't confusing this with discipleship, but I think they can very easily be confused with discipleship if you're not careful. Um, there's this thing, there's a bit of rise about life coaching. This is something that people look for, like, you know, they want to bring in an outside voice to be in their life to help them to, to look at life a different way. And one of the people I know who has gone through this training, um, he actually is a, he's planning a church in Florida. So he uses it to reach people for the gospel, getting involved in their lives as a life coach. He's a Christian who happens to be a life coach. And then he seeks to reach those people for the gospel as he plants his church. And I, I suppose that this is a very helpful and even valuable ministry. But one thing must be clear that, that coaching is not the same as discipleship. A coach is someone who is an outside voice instructing someone on how to, be, to effectively do something that you're not doing yourself. So in a little over a month, I am going to meet a, a group of seven to eight-year-old boys and a group of five to six-year-old boys and girls because that's my son's baseball team and my daughter's t-ball team, and I have the opportunity this year to coach their, his baseball team and my daughter's t-ball team. I'm going to meet with those people regularly, those, those, those young men and those, those boys and girls. I'm going to instruct them in the basic mechanics and goals and strategies of the game of baseball. And I'm going to tell you, I have played a lot of baseball in my life. Um, it's probably the one sport that I actually feel competent enough to coach people on how to do. But when the games start later this spring, guess what? I'm not putting on a jersey and pants and socks and going out there and take the field or step up to the plate, although I wish I could sometimes because it's just, ah, okay? You should come watch. It's a lot of fun, okay? It's like herding cats. Instead, what is my role? I am the coach. I'm instructing those young men and those younger children in what they need to do if you will do this. If you will hold your arms this way, if you will swing the bat this way, if you will watch the ball this way, if you will throw the ball this way, if you will grab the ball this way, then you will be effective. You will have success if you will do it the way that I've coached you on how to do it. But when push comes to shove and, and, and the umpire says play ball, I'm not out there doing the stuff with them. I'm their coach. Discipleship is not coaching because you, as a, to be a discipler, you have to be in on the action yourself. You, what did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
not imitate me as I tell you how to do it, right? But as I am following him, you, you can follow me. You have to know God. You have to be actively pursuing God. You have to be obedient to the things of God. Discipleship is not shouting instructions from the sideline, but it is putting your arm around a fellow soldier in the trenches, fighting for the Savior together. That's what discipleship is. It's, hey, let's do this together. Let's grow in the Lord together. I've been there. I've been in that spot. I'm still in that spot sometimes in my life. I still struggle with that that you're struggling with right now. Let's, let's dig into God's word together. Let's follow together. Let's work together through these things and see God grow us together. And next time that we have an opportunity to look at a ministry-focused night, we'll finish this, these, these thoughts out. Um, but just carry this away with us tonight that, that discipleship isn't just a word that we throw around. It isn't just this this nice thing that we say, it's vital to the life of our church. We need to be involved in these types of relationships. We need to have people who, who are discipling us, and then we as Christians should be able to reinvest in the lives of other people and teach them these things as well.